Welcome back to the Line to Gain podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host, along with my man, as always, Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing, man? Um, doing pretty good. We had a rough week this week in the NFL yeah. um, from Monday night, and uh, we wanted to kind of talk about how that kind of interaction how how we're feeling about that mm. yeah yeah for sure you, uh, you had some thoughts uh yeah so yeah first of all anybody please like rate listen review all that good stuff man we really appreciate it but uh you know there's a lot of bigger fish to fry i feel like this week uh you know and for anybody who hasn't picked it up on previous episodes i know we've talked about it once or twice uh but i have a spinal cord injury um yeah i was injured at the age of 18 in a car accident um, and, and I do have another podcast that's called the Live to Walk Again uh, podcast. Check it and, out. And, uh, yeah, check that out if you if you so choose. Um, you know, and I've – so I've, I speak with basically talk about spinal cord injury research uh, where, you know, where they're moving with that because that's the one part of your body that doesn't kind of regenerate organically. Uh and so we've we've done a, on the on the show we do a lot of stuff on on the research angle of spinal cord injuries as well as uh, inspiring people who have been injured, uh, in in all different ways. You know, I mean, there's a, a, a million different injuries that have resulted in spinal cord injuries. Um, but I've talked to a lot of people that have been injured playing football. Um, you know, I just had Eric Legrand on, who's a former Rutgers football player i've had uh chris canalis and his father on who um started the gridiron heroes charity down in texas for uh, high school football players that are injured playing football and chris canalis is uh, essentially the um idea behind peter berg's friday night lights uh tv show Mm. he's he's because that Basically show opened the Jason, in the opening scene with the, the with Jason Street, the the quarterback QB of the one, team, yeah. yeah, getting getting injured, and Chris Canales was the punter. He had a scholarship, was ready to go, and Peter Burke, you know, kind of elaborated with the facts, made him the the quarterback instead of the punter. Obviously, better protagonist, um, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, so um, which yeah, which was interesting. Um, but we've had uh, Corey Borner, who's uh, Bit really, you know, he he definitely um, is an inspiring young man who was injured playing football for DeSoto High School, which um, I believe maybe was like the original Friday Night Lights documentary school. It was one of the schools in that film, but uh, it was up by Amarillo, Texas. The act- actual it? movie, yeah. Okay, maybe I'm. Maybe yeah, I'm it was way up in West. Anyway, Texas. DeSoto Tech. I've heard of DeSoto High School though, and like that's one of the bigger. It's closer to Dallas, I believe. That's one of the bigger yeah. schools there in Dallas, and um, you know, he went on to graduate from high school or from from college, graduated high school, graduated college, went on to. Uh, he's doing some some really great stuff now. But yeah, I mean, I've just I've had all these experiences with people that have been injured on the football field, and I'm watching Monday Night Football, and I, you know I was like, oh man, I have I have Joe Burrow in my fantasy football. Right. Find this is all we're thinking we're about. We're in the at championship. The time. Yeah. I'm like, shit, man, I'm I'm, I'm about to win. Yeah, I'm about to win a couple hundred bucks. Like, let's go. I just need uh, Joe Burrow to do well tonight and drives right down the field, scores a touchdown. Everything's going great. Everything's going great. And, you know, the the second drive that Cincinnati has the ball, 
quick pass over the middle, and I'm going up against Tyler Boyd. Mm. I have Joe Burrow. This guy's got Tyler Boyd. I'm down by like 35, 40 points. So I need Joe Burrow to have a big game but not throw the ball to Tyler Boyd. And I see the, the pass across the middle caught by T. Higgins. You know, doesn't look like anything out of the ordinary. Like, looks like a completely normal play. Looks like a Catches tackle ball, stood up. Yeah. Tackle, tackles the guy to the ground. Stand, like, stands up kind of awkwardly. Like, kind of gets on his knees, stands right up. And then just, you see him kind of take a couple of shuffle steps and just, like, tense up and fall flat on his back. Mm. And we obviously know now that it was a cardiac arrest situation but for the first day and a half like we didn't know that and i'm just like what happened like i i I was feeling i was sick to my stomach i'm sick to my stomach anytime the ambulance has to come out on the field anytime they're like out dealing with somebody for more than a couple minutes and they're not you giving a thumbs up or uh moving or you know whatever the case may be and mike me and you we kind of talked about um, when we went to a little league football game this past season, right, uh, where we saw a kid get a very similar situation, kids, looked like whiplash, could have been a concussion. Yeah, yeah. but we didn't know, and we kids know not anything. moving at all yep. on the field, and we're we're sitting there watching this, like we're moms coming yards. down out of the stands, yeah, and silence, little murmur in the crowd, yeah, and so like I just I felt. I'm feeling really disconnected from the NFL and kind of football at the moment, um, just from my kind of my own baggage from from these injuries. And obviously, I wasn't injured playing football, sure, but I played football. But you and, understand what an injury like that means for somebody, right? And so, like I, I and I, I kind of, I, you know, I, I texted you right away. I'm like, did you just see what happened on Monday Night Football? Because I wasn't sure. I'm like, oh man. Like, I thought he just I, – I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but then they came back from commercial break, and they're like, oh, they've been giving him CPR. And I'm like, what? Like, he's, he's not breathing? Like, that's crazy. And then they're talking about starting the game back up in five minutes, and I was like, there's no chance, man. Like, how are they going to do that? And uh, – Well, that's the NFL being the NFL sometimes. Just yeah, like, and I know they let's came Let's get it out, back going. Right, and they came out with kind of a, a – who knows like what's real or not like they're saying that the nfl was never going to make the players go back out on the field that that was like a miscommunication of some sort um but yeah man i just i've been feeling really i don't know like i i don't like i'm not looking forward to this weekend's games i'm not like there's nothing really in me that is wanting i'm not like excited to bet on football this weekend which is usually one of my my pastimes and and I have a good time doing that. It's just, it was, it was different, man. It was really different this week. And, um, you know, like, uh, God willing, DeMar Hamlin recovers fully. We still, like, we're sitting here on Wednesday night at, you know, 445 uh, Pacific time. Still don't know the extent of, of what's going on. I guess his vital signs are doing well from, from the reports, but um improving but still in critical yeah he's still in critical condition we don't know like brain function wise what's going on like who knows how long he was without oxygen all these different things and obviously at the end of the day he had a heart attack not a just like a freak accident i forget exactly what they call it but i guess it's like uh when you get hit 
at like when your heart is beating in the right rhythm like if you get hit in the chest in the right way it can cause this sort of thing i think they there's a name for it so for the layman essentially he got a chest compression from the impact of the tackle that stopped his heart it hit it at the right time right and then they use those same compressions to essentially turn his heart back on yeah so that's kind of what we're saying here yeah okay yeah so uh yeah i mean it's it's uh you know like there's there's bigger things in life than football and i know you've you've expressed your kind of apprehension of of being a football fan when it comes to some of these um off the field issues with these guys being being really you know terrible people and how do we continue rooting for nfl's anti-player policy um, sexual assault bad toxic work environments that's what's great about this is we talked about this before this season you know we were both kind of like talking about how are we going to use this platform to talk about some of the the bad things that are going on as well it's let's enjoy the games but also bring to the attention all of the other things that are going on and this is one of those things right primarily why we wanted to take a moment before we got into the yeah. into the rest of the podcast and and that's the thing like every year i have on uh chris canalis and his dad eddie canalis who have who have uh you know been integral in like they've helped so many kids um in texas initially and then it's really spread across the country and they have a team of these gridiron heroes that have been injured uh playing high school football um, because you don't get the same insurance policy if you get injured in a in a, a you know, if you have a suffer a, a catastrophic injury playing high school football like you do in college or the NFL you're not going to be taken Well care college of. doesn't count either. I mean they they take care of you while you're there but as soon as you're out. Yeah, and so then insurance is like pre-existing condition stuff. Right. Unfortunately. Well, and yeah, and I uh you know, I I have these guys on every year before the the week before the leading up to the Super Bowl. Sure. Um, just to just to keep it fresh because the NFL won't they don't want to talk about spinal cord injuries in youth football and high school football and college football because it it's bad for the brand sure so they don't they don't offer any support to these guys so I definitely I have them on every year at the Super Bowl we talk about you know how like what what's new like you know how many kids that they've been helping this year that have been newly injured like and, and and it's getting better. It definitely is getting better with with new tackling pr- protocols and upgrades and helmets and and pads and whatnot. But it still happens. And yeah, I just I, I yeah I just wanted to kind of and like I, I told you before we started, I didn't write anything down that I wanted to talk about necessarily. I just kind of wanted to go off the hip and talk from my heart and express you know what I was feeling. And you know, hopefully I did a good job of you know, a good enough yeah, job of that man. for people to, to kind of see where I'm coming from. And, you know, life goes on at the end of the day. Like we're definitely praying for DeMar Hamlin and his family. And, you know, I, I, I really hope this young man is, uh, is okay. And, and there's no brain damage, no, no, nothing like that, that he's able to fully recover and, and lead a productive life. And yeah, I, I just, uh, that was just I wanted to get that off my chest anyway so yeah that's really good that you did that uh, again this is not us like 
calling this out and having this conversation and going straight into, you know, the other content that we've created over right. the last week before this, you know, event happened. Um, it's the reality of the world sometimes is that people get back to life after these traumatic events. And it obviously hits him and his family and his teammates very closely. And we kind of respect their decision to not feel motivated to continue this, you know, this game right now. Um, And something else just popped into my head about Chris Canales that I wanted to let everybody know. So Chris Canales gets injured his last game of his senior year of football, has a scholarship lined up to go punt for like North Texas University or something like that. He's going to get his education paid for. Um and I'm not 100% sure it was North Texas. It was, it was some smaller school in Texas, though. And he, you know, I mean, everything gets ripped out from under him, obviously, mm-hmm. when anybody who has suffers a spinal cord injury at any age, like, gets the floor ripped out from underneath them. But his dad was like, yeah, I sees him struggling. Is like, look, we're going out. We're going to go to the Texas high school uh, championship games in I don't know if it was Jerry World at the time or if it was still the um, the old stadium there in Dallas, but they go to the games. First game he's there, another kid suffers a spinal cord injury on the field while he's watching the game. And Yeah, they used to have the Texas – well, they probably do have a, an AT&T, the Texas State Championship yeah. game. Right? And so that's what kind of spurred this Gridiron Heroes organization because – uh, you know, I was talking to the to Eddie and Chris. Um, Eddie, the father, was like, you know, I, I was like, oh my god, like I can't believe this just happened. He's like, my son, who had been like in a crazy depression leading up to this, was like, we have to go to the hospital and go talk to these people, and that's essentially what they do now. Like the dad offers kind of support to the family, um, to you know, like help guide them through like what they're going to experience over the next you know days and years and and so on and uh and then chris kind of goes and talks to the to the young man that that's been injured but um that was a certain amount of comfort that comes with getting an idea what's coming yeah so that's what they do but anyway i just wanted to say that listen yeah check out the live to walk again podcast if you so are so inclined but um yeah, I mean, let's. Uh, I guess let's get into this and and uh, and talk about the, the games that we did see this last weekend and and what we're looking forward to in uh, in week eighteen. All right. Well, this is kind of a clunky transition. I know, man. Um, I don't know how to transition out of this either. <laughs> but hey, just admit that it's, it's very yeah. hard. And yeah. hopefully, when we start getting into this, it'll be a little bit more like, all right, we're right. in a flow, but. Um, usually we lead off the podcast with talking about some of the um, the bets that we made the previous week. Right. And um, I think we'll just roll through it and just go. I'm going to let you go first, Mike, because okay. you had about seven bets this week. That yeah, you I'm, I'm actually going to make this fast. Um, <laughs> I had seven bets, and I lost six of them. Um, I, I picked Carolina to win. They lost. I had picked Jacksonville to uh, win and the uh, the over of, uh, 43.5. I lost the over. Chicago, I had them to – I picked them to win. They lost. Miami, I picked them to win. They lost. San Francisco, I had them coming out of the gates and just dominating uh, quarter to, you know, uh, start too. to finish. Um, 
I had their money line, the over at 44 and a half. Both of those were fine. I had the first half winner, San Francisco. That's where I lost this game. Uh, Raiders were up 17-14 at halftime. And out of nowhere, um, as if lowered from heaven, Pittsburgh comes in and beats Baltimore. Um, so I got that. I ended up um, kind of re- you know, reducing my loss by about 50%. So that is pretty good. Um, still down 260 for the week uh, and 523.93 for the year. And I got a lot of stuff coming up for next week. <laughs> Mike's gonna have the. I have Mike's to. Mike's the gauntlet of uh, NFL games. <laughs> I think I bit week. everyone except for obviously uh, Baltimore, Cincinnati, New England, Buffalo. I decided to leave those alone, but yeah. I, I'll be I'll be betting everything else. Right. All right, what do you got? Uh, so I had the. I'm going to start with my best result of the week. I had the Dallas Tennessee under 40, and it hit 40, so I, that was a push. Um, that's your best. That's my a push. Best. So I had the 49ers <laughs> minus 10 versus the Raiders. Obviously, that was a loss. The 49ers won by three, uh, and I had Minnesota plus three and a half against at Green Bay. Uh, which was just a freaking that was demolition yeah. of uh, Minnesota by Green Bay this week. So uh, that's the Kirk Cousins. I lost know. two of those. I'm back down to 110 dollars uh, in the in the positive at least. But um, yeah, that was uh, and it's this week was hard to pick games. So I'm shocked that those are the only two games you didn't bet on. Because uh, it, it was hard. They were to difficult. Find. I decided to not do any parlays. It's yeah. either money line know, or numbers. Yeah, you just don't know. I mean, the uh, who's who's playing, who's not playing, who's tanking, who's not tanking. It's all. You know what's you know, funny it's, it's is to... going into this week. I'm like, these are money. Are you? Yeah, I was so I was not not the through. not this week, but last week. I'm saying oh, this yeah, like yeah. these no, bets I, I are going to so be too. great. And so the most too. positive one, I was like, San Francisco's going to destroy Las Vegas. Me too. I thought the same thing. Now they got the W, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. None of this matters. Um, but man, that one hurt. Yeah, that was that was wild. All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's I guess get into our review of the week. All right. So we had a, started off Thursday with Dallas at Tennessee. Now I have I have quite a bit about this. I did some research, and we'll get into that in a second. So I'll go through kind of my feedback here, and then. And I, I just want to say the Huskies were playing Texas in the Alamo Bowl at the same. I, I think I watched the first hour of the the Dallas uh, Tennessee game, but then I was locked and loaded on on washington texas um and washington came out of that with a big w uh 27 20 i believe so i did not catch much of this game but uh, i'm gonna just ride on your kind of coattails here all right here we go now i've said this before on this very podcast rain dakota prescott throws a beautiful ball you used his government name i love it (laughs) (laughs) he throws a beautiful ball the problem is it doesn't always ends up in, end up in the in the hands right. of his team. Right. So he's played um, eleven games this year and has fourteen interceptions through week seventeen. Mm-hmm. Eight of the fourteen were on third and long or pressure situations, what we call high leverage situations, kind of backed up into the end zone um, on a goal goal and to go third and long. Um, he tends to be really aggressive in those circumstances, forcing the ball in those situations. Mm-hmm. In five of the 11 games, 
that he's played. He has thrown multiple interceptions, uh, interceptions in nine different games total. Dak is sixty six and three when, or Dallas is six and three when Dak throws an interception, and Dak has thrown an interception in his last six games. So this trend isn't very good. So one of the things that I had brought up before was whose fault is this, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to look at Dak's 14 interceptions and then kind of take a look at um, where he fell. So first one versus Tampa Bay, third and 10 was the situation. His fault, bad decision, tried to force the ball um, uh, on an intermediate route against uh, zone coverage. 100% his fault. So we'll go one for Dak. All right, so second one versus Chicago. It's first and 10. Seam route to CeeDee Lamb. Looks like Lamb was supposed to flatten the route, catch the ball on the left hash mark. Uh, I think Dak is guilty of being a little too aggressive, but that's a 50-50. So I won't put that all on Dak. Um, We have number three was versus Green Bay. Third and goal. This is a tough one. Schultz was supposed to take that route to the back of the end zone uh, to help pull the safety, and then they were going to come underneath the CeeDee Lamb. Um, this is where Schultz, uh, this, um, yeah. So again, Schultz was supposed to kind of take that post a little deeper, pull the safety off. You know, it was a timing route at the end of the day and an interception. So, um, could be a part of the play call. Seattle fans can understand this one. Timing routes yeah. on the end zone, uh, running into interceptions. So for right. this one, I will call this a 50, 50. Dak probably shouldn't have thrown that ball because he's not reading the safety. Um, Schultz should have dragged the safety out of there. So, okay. All right. So number four, also against Green Bay, Uh, third and ten. This is the almost the reverse side of the field from Dak's um, second interception. CD Lamb running along seam route. Based on the coverage, CD need to break that route to the right hash mark in front of the safety. He does not. That's a hundred percent on CD Lamb there. Um, so I'm not going to blame Dak. I mean, that's one of the ones you come back and you show him like your tablet and go, see, what are you seeing? Come on. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, this one's a little bit more involved. Number six, I'm sorry, number five uh, versus the Giants. Second six, six. Uh, quick throw to the left side, 15 and out. He definitely stared the receiver down, but Gallup needed to work back to the ball. Um, it was a really lazy route. In fact, I looked at a lot of those situations where Gallup was the uh, receiver that in those interception scenarios, he definitely was not running crisp routes. I, I have a problem with his ability to play the position. Yeah. So we'll call that um, 50-50 there. Um, okay. His second one against the Giants, third and 15. Um, from the Giants, 35. It's under two minutes left in the half. A deep deep seven step drop um great pressure up the middle forces Dak to throw off his back foot cd made a pretty good play on the ball but the defender got an arm in there and deflected it probably a little aggressive in that situation um they were down 10 to 7 at the half um maybe um just kind of move out of the pocket see what's there and tuck it up and you know play for a field goal attempt in that scenario um yeah, I mean that would have put you tied at the at the half against a division opponent. Uh, opponent, I mean that's nothing to shake a stick at. So right. I'm going to put that 100 percent on Dak for making okay. that pass. 
Um, Indianapolis, third and 10. Initial read was there. He holds in the pocket, good protection, double clutch, fires to the left side of the line. His receiver fell down, another gallop uh, situation here. Mm -hmm. um, it was a huge risk for that throw on third and 10 on your, uh, on, you know, on your side of the field. Uh, this is similar to, like I mentioned, the uh, it was a similar route to Gallup's in the Giants where he didn't come back correctly. He basically made that same uh, route, fell down. And it was against, you know, Stefan Gilmore in that scenario. Maybe you take a second to not to not make that throw. Although that being said, I'll go ahead and put it 50-50 on Dak and, you know, your okay. receiver for falling down. All right. At Houston, good route, good throw. Uh, hit Noah Brown on the hands in the number. That's Brown's fault, 100%. Okay. All right. So uh, second one against Houston, Dak's arm was hit. Um, I probably put that on the O-line, not his fault. Okay. Got a lot of pressure from that side. All right. Um, let's see here. Dak under pressure. Oh, no, number 10 versus Jacksonville. Uh, this is where it kind of goes sideways. Uh, second and 18, so a long yardage scenario. Dak under pressure, steps up into the pocket um, to his right, overthrows Schultz by a mile. Just a horrible, horrible mm. ball. That one is uh, definitely on deck. Okay. And um, let's see, the second one, this, is, this was a horrible pick in OT. Uh, Dak had <clears throat> to jump sideways for some reason. It just was really weird what he did. He like jumped sideways to his left and throws the ball into a pack of players. It was like a Bermuda triangle when I passed it. So there was like a man at every point of the triangle and they, that every single one of those men were covered. I'm not sure where he was going with it. He tries to jam it in there and uh, just bounces off uh, Noah Brown, then a pick six. I mean, I'm, this is a... <sighs> Honestly, I, I went 85% Dak and 15% Kellen Moore for calling a play where you had three <laughs> players in the middle of the end zone on yeah. a third and short. Yeah. Um, but I'm just not sure what he was reading. I'm just going to put it on Dak. Um, let's see here. Philly, first and 10, play action to go to Schultz. Schultz was wide open. Uh, Sweat just made a good play. Uh, Dak needed to get it over his hands. Like, I'm going to put that on Dak because he just needed to get it a little bit over his uh, jumping. He just kind of flinged it He could instead of just throwing a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have our final two against Tennessee. Pass caught by Hendershot. It turns out he turns his head to go upfield, loses the ball like from nowhere. That's 100% on Hendershot. And then finally, Dak targeting Schultz. Uh, doesn't see the safety breaking on the ball. Uh, that's 100% on Dak. So what that means is we got one, two, three, four, five, six of those um, picks on Dak, four on other people, 100%, and four is equal faults. Okay. So I still think he's those high leverage situations he needs to calm down a bit. I would look for this. I'd be concerned if I was a Dallas fan um, going into the playoffs with him because he's going to be in a lot of third and longs high leverage situations yeah. and if he's being too aggressive and throwing interceptions um he's not going to go five and three in the playoffs obviously with throwing picks turnover battle is going to become very very important yeah that's going to be interesting to see because i i was uh 
Oh, uh, yeah, I'm big into kind of sports cards, and, like, people are like, buy Dak Prescott right now because if they go on a run, like, his cards are going to go through the roof. But I'm just like, man, I just can't trust the Dallas Cowboys. Like, he throws from weird platforms. Like, jumping sideways to throw, it's just so weird that yeah. you would do that. And he has a lot of shots from the from his back foot, which is just that, you know, you float passes that way. You right. can't drive through the throw. Something to look at if you're a Dallas fan or just – football fan watch him in those situations see what happens um i think this is the most detailed i'll ever get in talking about dak prescott in the rest (laughs) of my life so we'll let this live in the halls of the ethernet and just let it be okay well let's we'll uh, let's get to these uh these ones should be a little bit faster we had no saturday games this week because of uh college football which we did have some great great college football semifinals we're not going to get into too deep but uh, i don't know about great just they high were, number well, they were fun. bad refereeing it was, it was tight games though like, i really was, enjoyed the I heard, the ohio state game though i heard that it was i heard there's only been three semifinal games since they started the college football playoff and that were within one score mm. of like the i think there's been 16 or 18 semifinal games and they said that uh there's only been three that were within one or within 10 points or like double, like that weren't over double digits. And that was two of them happened this weekend. So that was, uh, they were both entertaining as hell. Uh, there, there were kind of ups and downs on both of them, but, uh, yeah, I uh, enjoyed both of those. But, yeah, let's get to uh, our first Sunday game. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, one-possession games, we have the Arizona Cardinals at Atlanta. Another example example of Arizona keeping it close. I guess. Yeah, I was shocked that they could because they they announced Friday that they were ahead most of the game. Well, and they yeah they they had every chance to win this game. They they and they were uh, they ruled out Colt McCoy and DeAndre Hopkins on Friday, kind of out of the blue. Everybody thought they were both playing, and uh, I and feel then like, they benched McSorley, right? Yeah, and I feel like they. Uh, I definitely think they're tanking at this point. They're trying to get move up in that draft. Remember, board. remember David Blau. And just that I name do, I is know, yeah, from, from the, the uh, Detroit Lions yeah, hard knocks. The Lions hard knocks, right? Yeah. Two hundred twenty-two yards and a TD. Yeah, he didn't look half bad, yeah. man. He looked pretty good, well composed, man. Good for him. But they did lose the game in the waning minutes, which is kind of their mo. Uh, they're just they compete, they compete, they compete, but they just can't hold it together at the end. Uh, this time it was uh, Young Way Koo uh, game-winning field goal. Is Cliff Kingsbury back next year? Uh, yeah. You think so? I think so. I'd give him another shot. I don't know about Steve Kime. Well, yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah. That's, that's a wild story, man. I was telling one of my friends about that, and they were just like, what? Those the wagons hell? are hitched, though. Ooh. That's the one problem. Like, yeah. if you get buy-in from Bidwell to keep Cliff on, I'm, t- I'm like, I, I'm not an X's and O's expert. Right. So, like, when I look at the play and the situation, I'm not always like, oh, that's a horrible call for this situation. Like, I don't know that necessarily. Yeah. Um, maybe there's no buy-in from the players the way that he talks, but at least from what I hear in that um, that hard knocks, he seems to know what he's doing. He seems to like know how to I like know what him. to say. I really he like seems, him. And I didn't yeah. want. I didn't necessarily. He's not like losing him. the locker room. No, it didn't feel like it at all. If it's an X's and O's thing, and that's why he's there, maybe you look into that, and maybe on that ground you Bring you somebody else you end the contract. Or, but yeah. but here's the thing: these are guaranteed contracts. Right. That's why you know the, the word on the street is 
uh, Las Vegas isn't firing their head coach because they're already paying like three head coaches, like right now. <laughs> I could see that. And, yeah. and the the Raiders do don't do have a Josh lot of cash. McDaniel? Yeah, why do you want Josh McDaniels? Yeah. I heard uh, Bill Simmons was talking about a rumor that – or that he's heard that maybe Mac Jones ends up in Vegas to play with. That would be an absolute nightmare. Sean Mc, or not Sean McVay with uh, Josh McDaniels. Uh, because they had such a good rapport, and he did so well that first year uh, under McDaniel's. Absolute in, in disaster. Yeah, Stidham. So <laughs> it just takes Stidham. Oof, yeah, no doubt. He took some shots, but he competed. All right. All right, next game, Chicago at Detroit. Man, Justin Fields was killing Detroit Bro, I early. Texted you, I texted you at the – when he went for that, like, 85-yard uh, touchdown run or whatever it was in the first quarter, I was like, holy shit, Mike. I'm like, did you just see that Justin Fields play? And I think you had texted me while I was texting you that about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was crazy. So he ran for 132. Um, he had 104 in this yards in the first qu- with like four minutes to go in the first quarter, though. See, he, he left the game at some point with an injury, right? Um, or did he maybe. stay in the whole? Yeah, I yeah think he was, it was towards the end of the game. Yeah, but it's just like no, no other quarterback took a snap oh, okay. for Never Chicago. Mind. But Never I just. Mind. But that goes to show my next point. He really, it really felt like he uh, seemed to lose motivation as the game wore on. Like yeah. that, that like competitive edge as they were getting kind of pummeled. Like, what am I doing this for? I'm taking shots right now. What am I doing? One, they've already announced. They, they just announced this morning that he's out of the Minnesota game this weekend, which really hurts the Seahawks' chances at that number two pick, which sucks. But yeah, what are you going to do? do? Three is fine. We'll be good. Yeah. Um. Well, the Detroit defensive line um, was controlling the line of scrimmage. I saw uh, one of the sacks on Justin was James Houston took the offensive lineman and used him to sack uh, Justin Fields. <laughs> that's always like that's I thought that was pretty extra, funny. Man. Yeah. Well, if funny. I, well, I can't move him. I'm just going to go right push through him. him. Right through, yeah. Let's so that go. was a really, really amazing thing to watch. So that was a lot of fun. But that's all I had for that game. It is what it is. Yeah, Detroit not a slaughtered great game. them. Yeah, I, I was hoping for Chicago to do better, and I was really excited at the beginning with uh, how well Justin Fields was doing in that first quarter. But yeah, it just didn't didn't equate to a to a win. So shout out to Jamal Williams. Like really took it to him. One forty four and a touchdown. Yeah. I think that's his fourteenth touchdown of the he's season or fifteenth touchdown of the season. He's like he's got to be a top five running back this year. Like oh, not yards, maybe well, touchdowns. Fantasy points wise, I'm yeah. sure. He doesn't have a lot of yards, though. Yeah. It's a lot of goal line situations. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't plan for that question. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, Denver at Kansas City is our next game. Um, I started off watching this going, Kansas City's defense is suspect, full stop. I yeah. just, like, I don't trust them. Um, Russell had a pretty efficient day, 26 for 38. That's 68%. Two rushing touchdowns and a couple of good, really, uh, really good throws, including that touchdown pass on the seam route. A couple really bad interceptions. Yes. He did turn the ball over two times, one interception and one fumble. And you know I watched every goddamn snap of this game and was distraught that that – Denver he looked was still like... in the game at the end, and I'm just like panicking because I think like, Seahawks are going to end up with the number eight draft pick now because he's going to win against the Chargers. But alas, alas, Ugh. Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of the field, Very true. and that dude is willing his team to win. And this is like the premise of why I had him at the at the number one position in our last power rankings. It's solely based on him alone. 
I know his defense is suspect. It doesn't right. matter. I know he has a a, a cadet of you know a, a core, if you will, of receivers that come in and out of there and various injuries. Mm-hmm. They got McCole Hardman back, I think, this for this week, and it still doesn't matter. He's still out there, just yeah, like he'll make, he'll make willing right. his team to win. Even though he threw a couple terrible, like he threw a couple terrible interceptions too. That like, what the hell are you looking at? But one he pick. makes enough. Oh, is it only one? Yeah. Okay, he almost he three almost t- threw three touchdowns, one pick. Uh, three twenty eight. Two to Justin Simmons. I know that Justin Simmons got the interception, and I know he. They were saying he almost got the first, another one as well. So I think the thing with him is the. I mean, I guess he was relatively efficient, about seventy percent. And his completion percentage. Yeah. He throws 42 times. I mean, he's the offense. That's a lot, yeah. I mean, if he doesn't win um, MVP, then I don't know what we're doing. Right. Okay. Uh, All right. Next game. Miami at New England. This one was shocking to me. Mac Ooh. Jones looks uh, more lucky than good Very when true. he's throwing. That was interesting. His defense keeps hurting quarterbacks, so they're yeah. able to – Sage wrote, and it's not Sage Rosenfels, but it's Sage something is the new quarterback for uh, Miami, right? It's Thompson. Sage Thompson. Sage Thompson. I know. I know it's not Sage Rosenfels. <laughs> You're just like, that's the only other Sage I've heard of in the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, he made a funny. Congratulations. All right. Cool. Oh, yeah. Skyler Thompson. Skyler Thompson. Sorry. Even worse. Even yeah. Even worse. Wait. Is that his name or his daughter's name? Exactly. Yeah, who knows? All right. So. Um, yeah, Teddy Two Gloves has no velocity on his throws. I mean, there's no way. At least Tua has velocity when he throws. Well, and the, he was able to keep them in the game until he. Yeah, I mean, they and they were in it till the end. Miami was, but sure. It's just yeah, you're not winning a game with Skylar Thompson as your quarterback. They're playing themselves right out of the playoffs, Miami. I but mean, they're done. Dude. The the fall. I mean, they're still in it technically. Um, we can talk about – let's have that conversation right now. So what they need to happen here is obviously New England needs to lose and they need to win. And if that happens, they're in. They're not beating the Jets with Skylar Thompson as their quarterback. I'm just saying this uh, is I what mean, has to happen. Right. They they uh, will win the, the, the tiebreak over Pittsburgh whether they win or lose. And if New England loses, they'll have a worse record than Miami. So right. – that's what they're hoping for. You got to do your job with the New York Jets and hope the uh, Patriots fail. So yeah. that that that's their that's what they're looking at. Yeah, things don't look good. Um, who's New England play this week? Who's doing what? Who's New England play this week? They are going up against. I'm blanking on the who the hell they're playing. New England. That is a great question. Oh, uh, Buffalo. Ooh, so yeah, I mean, there's I guess there's. Because Buffalo's got to – I mean, yeah, I – like, I – I don't know. You what do you – know, like, how, Is it how more motivating right. or less motive? Like, are you too – are you still dealing with um, the emotion of it all? Or uh, – You know, ask – it sucks that we're doing this podcast on Wednesday when, you know, like, does DeMar Hamlin wake up tomorrow and he's – He's talking not playing. And, yeah. No, I know he's not playing, but I'm saying, like, is he, does he wake up tomorrow and he's just like, all right, I'm good, like talking to his teammates, like, hey, go out there and get it. I think if that's the case, they're going to be able to play better. If he's still in a coma on Sunday, like how how do you get up for that game? Honestly, so, I believe these guys are just you know immense professionals at what right. they do, and you know they'll find a way to do what they need to do. And, and I think they – Honestly, and, yeah. 
On know. paper, Buffalo should beat New England. On paper. No problem. Absolutely. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting – it's going to be an interesting sight. And I like I feel like the rest of the country like if the rest of the country didn't already hate New England, they're definitely not rooting for New England this this week unless you're you live in in Boston or you're a, a diehard uh New England Patriots fan. You're not rooting for uh you're not rooting for New England this weekend. So. Yeah. All right. Um Indianapolis at New York Giants. Uh Danny Dimes appears to be a competent quarterback at least at times. I got beat by – I lost my fantasy championship because of Danny Dimes. Mm. And that, that – You actually – you that lost. That hurts. But well – It's still outstanding. It's – I'm down by two. There's no way that by Joe two Burrow's what? scoring 40 points. I'm down by too many points. Oh, okay. I'm down – I was down by like 40 points going into As a quarterback, you would need like four or five touchdowns and, and 300 yards. Yeah, it'd have to be something crazy. Yeah. Not mm. that Joe Burrow couldn't possibly do that, but I you also only get need, four for a passing, a couple of those, rushing touchdowns. I also need none of those passes to go to Tyler Boyd, which makes it even harder. Mm. So, um, yeah, like 99% sure. Well, he's the third but receiver. Like, yeah. I'm just like – this asshole picked – he put in Dan, Danny Dimes in the fantasy championship game? Like, my God. You the got, ball's on this the guy. The ball's on this guy. I'm telling you. Um, well, leading to that, is Dayball in the discussion for Coach of the Year? I wrote Absolutely. this, and then all of a sudden it begins to trend. Not that I caused that, right, but it no. just like there, there's a vibe out this. there. Yeah, we discussed this when we did our midseason uh, awards. Like, you, like, we kind of like went over the – the few people that it was Dayball, it was uh, Sirianni. Sirianni. I might be shifting off of Sirianni because what he's doing with this team oh, man, is insane. Well, and yeah, and I know we're, we'll get into the Philly game in a minute, but Jesus, man, like they look like they look terrible on Sunday. Well, they clinch a berth, and speaking of Philly, here we go. New Orleans at Philly. Oh, I thought- w- w- sorry, I, real quick, and I'm not going to cut this out, but I just wanted to mention Kayvon Thibodeau is an asshole. Yeah. I mean, you're an you're an idiot for and I don't have a problem with him doing the little snow angel or like fake jumping jack thing on the ground while Nick Foles is writhing in pain right next to him, like within touching distance. But to then go to the sideline and do the like go to sleep little movement with on your head, like this game especially after I mean and and obviously we know more with the Hamlin injury now like that that's not cool like i mean it, it seems far less cool after that after that situation happened but like just don't be a don't be a dick yeah i think that's the point like don't 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 act like an asshole yeah exactly obviously don't be an asshole too but right I mean, <laughs> yeah i'm not sure if he try to yeah try to achieves that level yet you know <laughs> try to figure it out but yeah. come on anyway all right go to the so what's right. the next game new orleans at philly this game was pathetic um i will say philly has four players with 10 plus sacks this year so that is definitely a good thing um i really feel like philly's trending down right now they need one of these last three games in order to to nail down the final seed right. uh, the number one seed in in the playoffs now they have to Host they have to win. Uh, New York Giants, high pressure situation. Hopefully, we get um, Hertz back. But, uh, are you saying you're starting to sell some of your? Uh... No, I'm holding. I haven't bought more property okay. on uh, Eagles you're, Island. You're hold. You're yeah, but hold. I own quite a bit of it, so okay. I'm pretty confident in where. Uh, yeah, I, I think. In yeah. fact, probably now is the time to buy because it'd be inexpensive. Right. 
it, it does sound like Jalen Hurts is going to play again this week, um, which is really good for them uh, because I was really wrong on Gardner Minshew. I can't believe he played so well against the Dallas Cowboys two weeks ago and then just looked. I mean, and New Orleans, like, their one shining kind of beacon in their uh, on their team is their defense, obviously. Well, they got uh, Lattimore back, yeah, so that, that back. helped a lot with guarding A.J. Brown. They have a pretty relentless uh, pass rush right. um, with Cam Jordan. Um, that guy just – him, the Cams, him and Hayward, yeah. just put out just years just grinding, you know, quarterbacks to a nub. Yeah. So here's, here's, here's where I see some problems. One, the secondary for Philly hasn't been – I've watched two games in a row, like almost all of it, and they don't look good. Right. Um, their off their defensive line, on the other hand, is formidable. Uh, offensively, it nothing works without Hurts. He's the one that gives you the flexibility to game plan in different ways. If teams are not scared of that run, then Gardner Minshew is not really good enough to to pl- to to paint the field. So yeah. they need that runability. They need that versatility that he brings to the table um, in order to free up the pass and, and really get that offense running. They don't really have a good running game without him. You know, Miles Sanders isn't that guy. No. Um, the reason he is that guy is because they're focused on Hurts. The, the reason that A.J. Brown, all is, is all the good stuff that he's done over the years, one of the things that helps him out is his a bit like that safety has to kind of come up. He can mm-hmm. beat guys deep because they're always that one step towards the run on that RPO before yeah. he sends it down the sideline. That one little step is all it takes. Yeah, I, I honestly thought Philadelphia was going to blow New Orleans out of the water. I mean, and the fact they're still riding with Andy Dalton, like, Jameis Winston must just look like shit in practice every week. Well, you want to talk about an asshole. I think yeah. that Jameis Winston no, qualifies no. for that as a, a core, as a part of who he is as a person. Right. So I'm really happy that they're choosing the red rifle over him. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm not sure what they're thinking other than he's just bad. He just, yeah. he's going up against that defense and getting shellacked. No one's talking about it. Yeah. It might be putting him in his pocket and maybe a trade asset or something later on. Maybe. I don't know how long he's signed for, but, yeah, it's it's interesting. All right. Enough talking about that ridiculous game. Yeah. All right. Char- uh, Charlotte. Uh, Carolina at Tampa Bay. Um, we both got this one very wrong. So I was all in on Carolina. Uh, their running game and defense. I thought it was going to be overwhelming for, for Tampa Bay. Sam Darnold. Um, was single-handedly killing my bet and the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. Their defense definitely showed up, at least early on. Um, then in the second half, like Tom Brady just balls out. He comes out of hibernation and throws 423 yards, three TDs. Um, they were uh, The three TDs were all deep throws to Mike Evans. Um, Mike Evans. On that right amazing. side of the field. I, it just I don't know why he all of a sudden was beating guys deep. Um, he was also brought back from the dead apparently as well. They eliminate Carolina and New Orleans from the playoffs and they win their third NFC South division title in a row. Ah, good, good on them. All right. So Cleveland at Washington, I called this the dysfunction bowl. Um, Wentz looked horrible, um, but 
uh, he does walk around like nothing matters. You know, that like look on his face. I, I just hope that we can end the long national nightmare of having Carson Wentz in the the ether of the NFL after yeah. this season. Like who who wants to take a shot on this freaking guy after this? His year? he had an upside. It's gotta be over. He had an upside, but that's starting to wane, like substantially. I just wonder if it's his faith that allows him to walk around and delusional. So well, I for, feel like that's with Russell Wilson too. It's got a lot of that. Yeah. Like but they, Russell Russell different. Wilson has a image that he's kind of created and maintained and he has to stay within the guidelines of that image and in Mm -hmm. doing that mixing it with faith and stuff he becomes i guess even more of a clown than wentz does in that regard but my grandfather was an episcopal priest and there's a certain confidence that he walked around with knowing that he what was going to happen to him like at least that's what he believed when he passed it's just like he knows what's next. He has faith in all of the stuff that's next. So he was able to deal with some of the bigger questions of life and existentialism a little bit better than somebody who doesn't have that faith. So I wonder if that mentality has like, it doesn't matter. God will provide type of like, I can throw three interceptions and God yeah. will provide and all this kind of other stuff. Well, what happens if you throw three interceptions? The NFL will not provide. Yeah, I hope you have been saving your money, Carson Wentz. There you go. Probably not getting much more out of the NFL. Huge what if here. I mentioned last week, um, and I'm not sure what Washington was doing starting um, Wentz. True to form, not a good showing. So we had talked about, like, why, why take out Heineke? let him work back against a really good San Francisco defense and mm-hmm. see what he can do to pull that team out. And just completely starting Wentz, this, it just started off like, like a horrible decision. Yeah. He threw an interception. Like he put on his shoes, put on his helmet, threw an interception. That's kind of the order of the things that he did to prepare, you know, for game time. And I don't understand what they're thinking. That coaching staff is thinking, um, the head coach came out and basically said, oh, we're eliminated. Now, I don't know if he was being (laughs) facetious or what, but it just. Well, and I like Ron Rivera, but like, my God, man. Yeah. Like be aware, like read the room, my guy. What the hell are you doing? That's why I think that's, he's not a good coach. Yeah. He's pulling Um, the guys together. They, they, they definitely seem to like him, but, but can he coach? Doesn't seem so. And he made a bad decision right there that basically took them out. Well, Now this week they're not going, they're not starting Wentz, but they're not going back to Heineke either. They're going to start Sam Howell, the uh, rookie quarterback out of North Carolina. Um, So that'll be, I mean, it doesn't sound like a good situation there either, but I mean, I guess you're going to see what you got in that kid before going into the draft next year. Well, Heineke has a resume. He at least deserves to be a backup quarterback, probably as a backup go, probably top five backup in the league. I agree. Um, You can make a lot of money in doing that. Uh, What's that cat that's been collecting checks forever um, over in San Diego now? Um, Uh, Josh Johnson? Is that who it is? No, no. Who their backup is? I'm not going to get into it, but yeah, I know there's there's a couple of those guys out there that just are, are collecting checks and uh, and yeah, I mean you, you 
you serve as a useful backup, you're gonna you're gonna make some money in this league for sure. Yep, definitely. All right, enough of the dysfunction bowl. Um, Jacksonville at Houston. Um, this wasn't a spectacular game by Jacksonville, uh, to say the least. Uh, it felt like Houston's season woes were um, were too much, and they kind of gave up. Like they, yeah. there was always a point in the game where they would like start to like get caught in quicksand. Like it would start somewhere like mid third quarter. Once right. the fourth quarter started, uh, David Mills would throw an interception, and from that point on, they completely uh, imploded. So that it kind of felt like they got there uh, a little early. So um, Jacksonville did their part uh, to set up an AFC South championship next week versus uh, Tennessee, but that's pretty I'm much. I'm really, really excited to see. I, I'm sold on Trevor Lawrence as being like that was the right pick at number one in that draft two years ago. Uh, I feel like he can be. He can be. He's. He, I think he's leading that group of quarterbacks just behind like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Like he's that next guy after those guys. Um, and I'm excited for it. I, I really like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's uh, I think him and Doug Peterson in Jacksonville was the right move. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see what those guys can do. Awesome. Well, it was the running game that helped them this, this week. They That's had, true. But... They had, they had three touchdowns. Um, from the running game, one touchdown uh, defensively. To your point, Trevor Lawrence has had a great seven-game run. This one, not so good. Seventeen for twenty-seven or twenty. Seventeen for twenty-one, rather. Relatively efficient, obviously one fifty-two. I don't. Just didn't throw a whole lot. I just. Didn't have I, to. They didn't have to. I think that's what it was. Let's not get him hurt. It's, it's Texans. Yeah. You know, let's just get the win and get out of here. I, I think that was as much of a game plan thing as it was anything else. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, San Francisco out, uh, Las Vegas. This one, we talked about this one earlier. Uh, this game still makes no sense to me. Dude, after, honestly, man, after I saw that uh, Derek Carr was gone, like, that's what I was just like, there's no, and Jared Stidham was starting. I'm like, there's no chance that San Francisco doesn't win by With that defense, I thought, it, you know, it was only helping my case that yeah. Stidham was in there. Yeah. And it just, he, Stidham was moving the ball up and down the field, man, all day. It was crazy. Well, true to form, Las Vegas plays up to their talent. Also yeah. plays down to talent. Um, Absolutely. So I should have known this. It is a freaking formula that's been going on for almost two decades now. Right. So, man, um, good, good, good game, actually. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. the witching hour is what it took for San Francisco to pull that out. So. Yeah. All right. New York Jets at Seattle. Uh, Seattle's still alive in the playoffs, to your chagrin. Um, we pretty much need to win. We need to win. Yeah, we have hands to win, down. and we need Detroit, and Detroit to beat, beat Green, Green Bay. Bay. Which is, you know, it's kind of bullshit that we have to deal with having. Usually, the NFL is really good about putting games that are directly like playing off of each other. As far as like with Green Bay and Detroit and Seattle. Um, yeah, they flex the, the Detroit game, Green Bay game. We'll move the Detroit Green Bay game to Sunday Night Football. So now. Detroit, like if Seattle wins, Detroit's eliminated. So then they know that they don't have to worry about, you know, I mean, that they're, they have no shot of going to the playoffs. So like how much energy are they going to provide? But I feel like a Dan Campbell led team is never going to roll over. They're going to try to win no matter what. But, I don't care if we're not in the playoffs, man. Yeah. This but, is the Green Bay Packers, man. 
Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's definitely looking like Green Bay is going to be that seven seed if I had to put money on it. Um, it's just unfortunate that Seattle beat the Jets on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, and they looked good doing the, it. The run game was working OT. Uh, that in that game, uh, they controlled the tempo all day. Ran for almost 200 yards total. I think uh, Kenneth Walker the third, the third had 135. He but he had 60 yards on his first run of the game, and then had 65 yards on his next or whatever 75 yards on his next like 24 carries. But they spread so. it out quite a bit though, right? I mean, tight almost, ends were getting were eating. Yes, for Seattle. Yeah, so I mean, Geno. Passing TD, cool. We'll add that to the mix. Uh, the right. re- the real problem here for the Jets was they lost the turnover battle 3-0, and that's yeah. what it came down to. Tight running Mike game, couple touchdowns, good. tons of turnovers on the Jets. They need to White clean that up next look week. Good, man. Um, and I did a little side note. I did see Geno Smith had a long embrace with Zach Wilson after the game and like uh, apparently gave him some words of wisdom. Uh, which, well, you know, who knows? We'll see. Something about did, writing back? I did see a... Uh, or not writing back? I did see a headline on ESPN.com. I didn't read it that said, uh, Jets will not give up on Wilson under any circumstances. I will tell you this. Like I don't... I didn't... I'm not... I didn't... gave up on Geno Smith like I'm giving up on Josh... Uh, on no, Zach, Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach Wilson, yeah. I almost said Zach Cal. Wilson. <laughs> Zach Wilson. Um... Yeah, I never, I never gave up on Gino. He just, you know, didn't look good at times. And then he was a backup, and then whatever. Yeah. But this year, he's look, he's looking accurate. Seems like he can play. Um, I'm not sure if there's anybody in the draft that is better than him right now. I'm not sure if there's any free agents that we're going to be able to afford that are better than him right now. I mean, I think you no. sign him to a contract, three years, sixty mil, something like that, with. 40 guaranteed and see what happens i think his his poor play kind of, i mean and i don't even know if you can blame any of these last like four or five four out of the last five games on gino but um i think that's gonna reduce his value a little bit like back to where it should be i think he's probably gonna get yeah like 15 maybe 20 million dollars a year and we're gonna keep it pushing um they're probably gonna draft somebody in the mid rounds like maybe you grab like that Anthony Richardson kid from uh, Florida who, um, you know, maybe in the second or third Ooh, round. I'm just not a huge fan of quarterback I'm big, projects. I'm not either. You, use that use that for other projects, like a lineman project or a running back that. project. I just have or, a feeling that they're going to do something like that. Yeah, we'll I, I would rather them draft offense. If they just drafted offensive and defensive line, I would be ecstatic. But I don't think that's going to happen. Depth at safety. Is there something there? They definitely need that. All right. There, if there's anybody available. Got to stop paying our safety, box safety, so much money. Right. All right. Um, next game is Minnesota at Green Bay. Someone woke up the uh, the Green Bay defense. Good Lord. They had four takeaways in a TD this game. They looked amazing, man. I, I was shocked. They I, bottled up Justin Jefferson for sure. Oh, like he, he was flipping out on the sidelines. Like not not a good look for Justin Jefferson this week, either on the field or off the field. What happened off? Well, I mean, he just was, like, throwing his helmet. He almost hit the ref with his – I mean, I guess that was technically on the field. Uh, uh, he's yeah. so pissed off he's not getting the ball. He's frustrated. He's, yeah. I mean, it's just that I, – there's nothing I hate more than seeing a wide receiver complain. About who who do you like ball. to see complain? I mean, nobody really. Okay. So, But, I mean, that, that bothers me more with receivers. It's like 
quarterback, if you're open, the quarterback's obviously going to get you the ball if they have a chance. No, they don't ask ask the, the Denver receivers. Here's my point. You're out there on an island. You are one-on-one against somebody. You got people coming at you from all different angles trying to take your head off. You have to have like a level of confidence in order just to stand out there, right? Okay. So they, it's, it's like another mentality. Right. Like you want that mentality as the quarterback, like nothing's bigger than this moment right now. Like nothing, I'm not going to get too high or too low. You want them level. You want them to be able to sit in there and process things. There's certain things like you like to see out of your quarterback. I, I appreciate that at a Justin Jefferson. I appreciate that out of um, my receivers that are just like, I don't like them getting 15 yard penalties when they, yeah. when they complain or do stupid like stuff Metcalf. like DK Metcalf. I mean, I'd like to, you know, let's, let's, cut down on the the penalties and the the negative plays you know negative effects to my team but if a guy's just out there passionate like throwing his helmet and just being like tom brady does like That's who true. cares it annoys me when tom brady does it too but um yeah no, I, I got you I, I can see where you're coming from okay all right let the emotion out it's an emotional game man it's if you true. don't have it you're not going to be able it's to compete true, man very yeah. true all right if it doesn't matter be a fucking accountant. There you go. All right. Anyways, L.A. Rams at L.A. Chargers. All right. Um, Chargers secondary has played another great game. They held Baker at 132 passing yards, and uh, which led to three sacks. I mean, it was like a dominant performance in that regard. Cam Akers had another decent game. Decent? What did he do? Let's see. Cam Akers looks like somebody he, like plugged him in. Yeah. Um, I am worried about if we can stop Cam, Cam Akers this week, then that'll be Let's go, Cam the Akers. way to go. 123 yards, no TDs, but averaging 6.5 yards a carry. That's that's nothing. That's pretty. Yeah. That's a. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, he looks good, man. Looks good. Well, speaking of um, looking good, we have uh, Herbert at 212 yards, uh, two TDs. One of those passes was an amazing one-handed grab by uh, Mike Williams on the yeah, sideline. Do you see that? Jeez. And Austin Eckler rounded off the game with 161 all-purpose yards Man, and two he, rushing touchdowns. He's way better than I thought he was going to be when he got that starting job over there. You know what he reminds me of? Darren, Darren Sproles. Mm. Like that kind of like. But like way – I mean, Darren Sproles never had games like that, I don't feel like, did he? He did at times, but not, not as consistently. Uh, not as consistently. Yeah. I think Eckler is a little bit more durable. But the size and the way that he gets he's down, little, he's probably a little bigger than than Sproles. Sproles seemed like he was so little, man. I don't know if he was Maybe. taller, okay. but he's de- he was definitely bigger. And pound for pound, they kept they, this is the pound for pound. He's the strongest <laughs> player on the Chargers. They right. keep telling us, yeah. So right, there's right. that too. Okay. That that's very helpful. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm impressed. Like I, I'm a I'm a fan. I just God damn it, Mike. I hope and pray that. The Chargers play their starters this week against Denver and beat their ass into the ground, so that Seattle can get that. Hang well, on they they still, team. I mean, they're still fighting for something. Yeah, they, I mean, they so do. I they're, would say they would need to. Yeah, I think it's between them and Baltimore for that. Yeah, they're seat. both ten and six. Um, Baltimore's playing um, New uh, Cincinnati. That's important. Um, so yeah, I think I would want to go out and win that game, be eleven right. and six, with, going on a win into the playoffs. I mean, I think it playoffs. I think it's important. All right, final game. Speaking of Baltimore, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. 
Uh, Pittsburgh running game was a difference maker here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two-headed monster of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Uh, He reminds me a little of Deuce Staley with the way, you know, his size and build and the way he runs. Yeah. Uh, They ran for 187 yards. Uh, Kenny P showed some poise in the game, especially in that fourth quarter. Uh, Led him to a field goal and a TD drive to win the game. I'm really liking Kenny Pickett, man. I like it. He's just standing in there and – He's yeah, confident. I like his game a little bit. Yeah, he's got that confidence. He's got like he seems like what you want a quarterback to be. And like I, I just think they they probably made the right choice grabbing him. Well, you'll get him for a few years. I mean, he's a thirty-two year old rookie. <laughs> oh, the Van Wilder of that, quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, I did hear that. Um, <laughs> what's his name? The Stetson Bennett is going to be um, the same age as Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He's, I think he's older he's than Lamar. 26. Yeah, he's a little bit – he's like a month older than Lamar Jackson is. That's crazy. It's bonkers. And he looks like an, he looks like an accountant. Yeah. But anyway, all right. I mean, he'll be fifth or sixth round draft. He's yeah, not that he's impressive. Not, he's not all that. right, I didn't – I'm not covering Buffalo, Cincinnati. I'll just leave that. Yeah. That was we, the final we, game on Monday night. We, we kind of went, yeah, we went, went through that. that. So that's it. That's the games from uh, week 17. Yeah, it, it was – I mean, other than that un- – you know, unspeakable event that happened on Monday Night Football. Um, you know, it was a great week of football. I, I had a good time watching. Me and you got to hang out. Yep. For about five hours drinking whiskey and watching uh, football on a lot Sunday. Of fun. Yeah. Had a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah. Um, so, all right, man. You want to move on to our our picks for uh, Week Five? Yeah, I got fourteen to go through, <laughs> and I'm going to do it real quick. I'm let you just go, man. All right, run with that. Okay. Kansas City at Las Vegas. All right. Las Vegas plays up to talent. KC wins, but only by a touchdown. They're okay. at, uh, pl- uh, took Las Vegas plus nine and a half. Okay. Tennessee money line uh, at Jacksonville. One game, life or death, I choose Vrabel and, I, and the yeah, Tennessee defense think, on the road. Uh, I think they were saying that Derrick Henry's trending towards playing too. So there you go. That's good. New York Jets money line at Miami. Miami is on an epic slide. They forgot how to win. New York Jets have an opportunity to send a division opponent home. I think they will take it. Okay. Big, big uh, bet there. Uh, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. I took the Pittsburgh money line. Every season, Pitt is in the uh, conversation. This is a testament to Tomlin and his ability to get his team to compete. The Browns, on the other hand, are the Browns. Absolutely. Okay. Houston money line at Indianapolis. I expect Houston and Indy to compete uh, to be competing. Uh, they have all year. These guys want jobs next year, so they'll continue to do that. Indianapolis is worse in the fourth quarter than Houston, and I believe Houston wins. Okay. All right. Tampa Bay money line at Atlanta. Tampa Bay is trending. Uh, Atlanta doesn't have enough. <clears throat> that was it. Carolina money line at New Orleans. Carolina last chance to end the season. On an up note, New Orleans was dead man walking all year. They pretty much one game away from I'm being eliminated. To lose, I'm trying to lose that game if I'm either of those teams at this point. <sighs> Who has more to play for, I guess, is what it'll, what it'll come down to. Minnesota money line at Chicago. Uh, Chicago gave, uh, gave up last week. I don't expect them to compete here. Especially now without fields in there. Right. Uh, New York Giants plus 14 at Philly. Uh, Philly should win this, but New York Giants are playing well. Dayball plays to win. No way they lose by more than two plays touchdowns. Plays to win the game. You play to win the game. 
All right, Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams. That's my little uh, impression of uh, Jerry Jones. Okay. At Seattle, I took the Seattle money line. Uh, take care. No. no, sorry, go ahead. Take care of Cam Akers and Seattle wins. Yeah. Do your job. True. That's it. True. Uh, Chargers at. We have Al Woods back. We're, yeah. we're going to be all right. There you <laughs> go. Chargers at Denver. Uh, Chargers are doing Charger things. Um, they let. I feel like they're going to let their foot off the gas and go into the playoffs in a losing streak. To I your think, chagrin. Yeah, you might be right. All right, Arizona at San Francisco. I got San Francisco, San Francisco minus 14. Arizona is too injured to win this game. San Francisco is still competing for the number two spot, uh, maybe even the number one seed. I'm not sure how it all plays out. Um, I got Dallas five and a half, minus five and a half at Washington. Washington is out. Their coach is a joke. Dallas can win by a touchdown. Uh, Detroit at Green Bay. I took Green Bay on the money line. This, I guess this is what I'm saying is like Seattle will be out, so that will help you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Unless they win the game, though. It's still, they're, they're, if if Green Bay like wins. Pick, though. We need to lose. Whatever. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers at home, that running game. That defensive resurgence, good luck, Detroit. Okay. And I did no lines for Baltimore, Cincinnati, and New England and Buffalo. That's what you said, yeah. Um, all right, so my week five, I just had three. Um, I took – and all three of them are games you picked, but I didn't go money line on any of them. I took Minnesota minus 7.5 uh, at Chicago. No Justin Fields. Uh, get right game for Minnesota. I think um, they gotta they gotta do something here. Off the here. Schneid. Yeah. Um, got the New York Jets minus one at Miami. Mm. Uh, Pick them game. Sage Rosenfels is not beating the uh, New York Jets defense. I know it's Skylar Thompson, but I'm gonna call him Sage Rosenfels <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, Sage and then Rosenfels I took Thompson. Pittsburgh minus three points uh, because I just want to root against the. Uh, rapist enablers one more time this year um so yeah pittsburgh minus three against cleveland there it is all right and uh now we're at my ask mike question of the week here we go so i was gonna frame this to you in like different ways like chicken and the egg uh all these different things so i just want to know to you is bill belichick a good coach or did he just have the greatest quarterback of all time? Um, so the question is, or the short answer is yes, he's a good coach. He's third all time in wins in NFL history at 298. He's George House at 318 and Shula at 328. Uh, they're the only two coaches ahead of him. Um, he those, had, I just feel like those guys won with like different, different iterations of teams. But they didn't and, win at, he did. Well, that's the thing. They, did win with different iterations That's of the team. They just had what, the same quarterback there for a while. Right. Okay. But the turnover was crazy. So I will okay. get there. I don't think he's the greatest X's and O's coach ever, um, but he's one of the greatest defensive, if not football minds, that the league's ever seen. Um, here are kind of his coaching superpowers, according to me. Culture building. Um, like it or hate it, the Patriot way is a thing. Uh, he knows what he wants. Um, he knows how he wants to manage the team, how he wants to practice, the personnel, personnel decisions he makes. Um, the culture is set. When you walk in that building, you know it, and everyone's you know, moving in the same direction. So that's a huge thing. Uh, game planning and uh, management. I will take Bill Belichick's ability to scheme a team to a victory in one game scenario over 
any of the greatest rosters in the history of the game. Uh, his particular strength is taking away one, the one or two things that a, another team does great. So um, I don't know how he does it. it. It It's different. He neutralized the, the Buffalo Bills K-Gun offense with Jim Kelly. He did it as a giant defensive coach. He or as a defensive coordinator. He's done it as a, the Patriots head coach. He's done it with defense. He's done it with special teams. He's done it with high-powered offenses. It just doesn't matter. Um, and part of that is just we're, we're practicing to a game plan. We're de- game plan development, you know, learning the fundamentals. Also, right. finally, talent development. Part of knowing what type of team you want is being able to coach and develop that talent to those needs. Um, part of this is identifying talent or value, if you will, in later rounds. I think he's really good at that. Not really good at the first rounds and the, the big star players. Well, like, uh, I don't think he relates to those guys too much, right. but he can find value in those later. This is a Patriot guy. Right. This is a, yeah, like, like you were, I think where you were going with, with Carroll and the Seahawks, he has yeah. a very particular profile he wants for a cornerback. Yeah. Six foot two, 210 to 220, big guy like there's a certain formula that he wants to go out there and fill yeah. and i think uh belichick has that same thing he knows what what he wants to see out of a left guard he knows what he wants to see out of a long snapper he knows all of those types of things yeah sure all right now the question i think you're asking here is is he still motivated to grind like he has i mean if it was me i wouldn't he's damn near 70 years he's actually 70 years old i mean right. i would be like on the like why am i doing this um, but he is really concerned about his legacy, I believe. Um, this year, he's, he's got to want to get back. To the he's getting a lot of cri- criticism this year for like this offensive coordinator, coordinator snafu of letting say, Joe yeah. Judge and Matt Patricia like share the duties or whatever that means. Right. Um, he still needs 31 wins um, to pass Don Shula, so that's at least three full seasons. Um, man, he's 70. Like I said, I just, I don't know if like, when do you lose the desire to grind out another season and let to compound things? Does Robert Kraft still want him around meddling in eight and nine or nine and eight? When he was friends with Mike Leach, they're, they're, you know, they're from all accounts and you know, like what, what does that do to, due to a coach that's getting up there in age. And, you know, I mean, Mike Leach was only 50, what, 59 or 60 years old? Yeah. It's like crazy, man. Like, the, that's a stressful job to be doing for 30 years or whatever he's been at. So for. Pete Carroll, I believe, came in at 24 on the wins list or something like that. He was like, like eight wins away from Bud Grant, the head coach that brought him into the NFL um, as a defensive back coach. Like, if you start looking at these numbers, it's bonkers how much more um, Bill Belichick has won than, like, uh, Paul Brown, for example. Paul Brown's, like, God, what was it? It was, like, 17, 16, 17. Andy Reid is the only coach that's close to him right now that's active, and he's still, like, 60 wins away. So there's no way he touches it. So yeah, well, yeah, and some he's of these a good young, coach. Like they're they're giving these young guys coaching jobs so early, man. Like I mean, if McVay sticks with it for 25 years, you know, and he's I mean, what the guy's going to be 55 in 25 years or something? I don't know. I don't think he's exactly. 30, but you look but. at the guys that succeed, 
there with one or two teams. Right. There's that little bit in the beginning, even with Belichick. He got his, yeah, he got his, like Cleveland, and that didn't work out, right? Then he goes back to New, he goes to New England where Parcells was coaching, and he, and he's the defensive coordinator or defensive coach there. And they had him as an interim coach after Parcells left. And then with they had the ended- Giants, wasn't it? With the Giants? No, with the Jet. He was with the Jets, not the, uh, Patriots, right? He was. Oh, he they, ca- they tried to name him the head coach of the Jets after Parcells left or retired. No, but that was with the him. Patriots, though. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he must be right. Okay. Because he was on the team that went to the Super Bowl against um, Brett Favre. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think he is a good coach. I don't know. If he doesn't have Tom Brady, if he's the greatest coach of all time, as he's considered now. But, yeah, I mean, I think all – I mean, you got to give him some level of uh, was, credit. Was Montana without Rice? That's probably true, man. Is Brady that without Belichick? I think the I two- mean, he went and won a championship the year after, but that was a pretty loaded team he was on. So, yeah, I don't know. It, that, that's why I wanted to ask the question. Like, just yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, I think if Tom Brady your... plays five years here and then goes somewhere else for five years and somewhere else for five years, there's no way that he's able to put that together. I think the consistency and the teamwork and yeah, the, the trust in, that they've developed over the years. Um, you know, you spend 20 years with somebody arguing and all that kind of other stuff. It does run a little, run, <laughs> get a little raw from time to time, and they right. decided that they were done. But I think those two needed each other to be to 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 be the best now yeah. you're you're just good good football coach absolutely hands down good absolutely yeah. greatest football coach he's in the discussion he's top five with absolutely. or without brady uh, yeah all right all right cool cool so mike let's go to uh take corner I only have one. I have no takes because I, I throw takes in and I just vamp a little bit too much on some of these things. So I've decided to limit unless I have something really my only, yeah, my only thing was this week in light of the DeMar Hamlin injury, I think there is zero chance we see Tua Tagovailoa again this year. Even if they make the playoffs, I don't think there's any way he plays again. Oh, if they make the playoffs, they're putting him in. There. I don't think there is. I, I there's no way, man. They're gonna allow an, a a guy to get a fourth concussion, and I just think the NFL and the NFLPA is gonna be like, we can't do this, especially after this situation with Demar Hamlin. I can't disagree more to this hot really? take. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think they're making the playoffs anyway. Though. The NFL He's definitely not. The NFL wanted them to go right back and play in the game in five minutes. That's that is true. It took McDermott and Zach Taylor, uh, Zach going like no. Did you hear Zach Taylor's press conference yeah. today where he said that McDermott came up to him and was just like I can't coach I can't this coach team. Yeah, I can't coach. I gotta right go now. to the hospital. Yeah. That guy, I just like I. It's still man. It like makes me tear up a little bit just even like watching that. Like I was like literally like feeling very. I mean, you called me because I was just like, holy shit, did you see what happened? Yeah. And you called me and were like, what? Because you texted back, like, what exactly happened? I'm like, I'm like, this dude almost died on the field just now. And you're like, wait, what happened? And you just called me while I was texting you back. And, uh, yeah, I, I was just – I'm still, like, even thinking about it, man. I'm getting, like, emotional about it. So, um, so that day 
um, it was Monday. I, I had the day off in observance of the New Year's mm-hmm. holiday. Um, and I spent most of the day like yard work, cleaning like yeah. piles of trees and stuff that we had pulled out, running to the dump, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that traditions that we started this year um, was the creation of a Yule log. Um, and basically what it is, is like a tree log that we carved, uh, like three spots where you could put a little, some candles in. And then every day we would light the, the thing. And then after you're all done, you take, we made some wreaths and some other kind of, you know, things that we put around the log as we put it as a centerpiece in our, um, in our, in our dining room table. And we took that. And we got a fire going that evening. And we, the, the idea is you take all of these things that you've created, you know, at the, it's a kind of a old, I wouldn't say pagan, but kind of like first people level celebration where you celebrate okay. um, winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year. The next day you start moving into her, like, er, like life starts over again, if you will. You start okay. moving into spring and summer and you know, and it cycles through again. So yeah. that that's the significance of winter solstice. Also, why Christians chose, you know, December twenty fifth as the birth of Christ it's to like to align it with the yeah, to align it with the celebrations that a lot of the people in the in the known world were participating in. So, anyways, we decide to go ahead and do this. Maybe I'm taking over the diversity section here. No, I know no, we'll start ahead, with man. it, uh, but. The idea is I had the fire going. I, we put the log down, all the stuff in, and then we wrote on like the, this piece of paper, like our intentions for the next year and nice. something from the past or the past year that we wanted to put away and kind of like move on from. Okay. So you can read it or not read it, whatever. I chose to read, you know, what I put in, you know, in front of the, fa- you know, to my family and we put it in the fire and we let it. We release it, whatever it is, into like where this is done. This is a this is a point of demarcation, you know, for who you were that previous year, or whatever. And it's time to, you know, forgive yourself and all this kind of other stuff and move on into the into being present in the next year. So we were doing all of that. Long story short, when this was going on, I had come in. Um, you know, still dirty from doing yard work. I took a quick shower and I was going to pop the game on. And, um, yeah. I think you had texted me back. Like I watched the first drive and then hopped in the shower. What yep. Happened? So yeah, I watched, I, like, I watched yeah. that first, that touchdown pass. And then I watched, um, I wanted to see the first drives of both of the teams to see how it worked. And then they got a field goal. Once that field goal went through for Buffalo, I went and jumped in the shower and yeah. I guess all hell broke loose after that. Yeah. Yeah, man. So crazy stuff man yeah it is it is so all right uh diversity section mike where did you have anything this week i got four things should be relatively short go let do two and then i'll do two or I'll, i just have one that uh a documentary i watched so i'll let you go first okay i finished shack okay so we talked about my first takeaways his culture of abuse in his house right. and how that molded and shaped him into right. who he was as a as a player and a man and all that other stuff I have my opinions on that. He definitely has his own opinions. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. But also, um, I'm very much a Kobe person now and not a Shaq person. Um, <laughs> where I was wrong was I didn't think he did all the shooting up of things like to, 
you know, help him get out there. He apparently did quite a bit of that. Um, it's a, it's a miracle. His kidneys weren't shot like Alonzo morning. Um, just wanted to call that out. Uh, it was interesting new facts that I had learned. Um, but that aside, I will say the one thing that he can hang his hat on is he's probably the first or second most physically imposing player in the history of the NBA. But, and he really, I guess in retrospect, he's reflecting on this. Like that's what he was really going for. But he left a lot of championships on the table. He left a lot of relationships on the table. Um, He left a lot of like legacy accolades on the table. But despite all of that, he's still one of the greatest players of all time. And I do respect kind of like his second part of his career with the business acumen and what he's able to create from an empire's perspective and staying busy and also humble about who he, you know, the things that he's done, you know, in his, yeah. in his personal career and kind of navigating that. So I appreciate that part about him, but I, you know, I really enjoyed the part and I, I did mention it last week as well, but like where he went to Dwayne Wade when he went to Miami and just said, Hey, young fella, this is your team. I'm just here to help you like achieve your goals. Basically like, here's like where I went wrong with Kobe. Here's where I went wrong with Penny Hardaway. I feel like he had evolved to some level, even if it was just on the basketball court as a leader. Um, like I felt like he he had evolved over his career by just kind of hearing that like little tidbit in in that last episode, which I appreciated. Yeah, that was the wrapping up of his legacy, and probably the the last season where he was a top player in the NBA. And then I think he went to like four or five other teams after that. Yeah. What Phoenix, Boston, Cleveland, at least three. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think he got traded. He got from Miami, went to Phoenix. Then I think Boston or then to to Cleveland Cleveland, and then finished his career in Boston. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, what's next for you? All right. Jack Ryan. Ooh, it's on my list. Not a lot of, I won't go too much into detail. Good show. I mean, entertaining at least yeah it's worth a watch yeah. i mean it's eight episodes in and out real clean you you banged them all out already yeah i would yeah. when i i'd sit on the treadmill and kind of like jog and and watch you know 30 minutes at a time 40 minutes at a time and okay. just kind of power through it um you know yeah. most of it's implausible implausible yeah. just in general so keep that in mind and it just 24 Jack Bauer type shit. <laughs> uh, less, more viable than that. Okay. But, um, you know, you, I, I was introduced to Jack Ryan um, in Clear and Present Danger. No, great, Patriot Games. Patriot great, Games was the first movies. one. Both of those are great. And uh, then Clear and Present Danger. Um, and I love the Harrison Ford character. He was much more of a <sighs> humble kind of analyst guy that yeah. could – you know, in clear and present danger, especially he almost fumbled around, you know, that, I don't know, that Colombian, you know, <laughs> fortress was, or whatever. Was but. clear and present danger when he's out like on the coast and like they come to try to kill him with like their, uh, so Patriot games is when he witnesses the assassination of the British politician. Okay. And then he ends up killing, um, the dude's brother, Sean Bean's brother. Right. And then Sean Bean is working on some other stuff in the desert and they come out to 
I don't know, like Nantucket, Nantucket or something. Right, yeah. Gonna, yeah. And so they clear? All had, they all had the, uh, the night vision goggles yeah. on. That's like the one thing I remember. That was so fun. So that was clear and present cool danger was, was when they had like the drug dealer, um, like supposed to essentially supposed to be Pablo Escobar. Okay. He has the, he's got the, the, uh, he's taken bat batting practice in this like old cave or something attached right. to his house. But that. he has this one guy that's like a fixer and that fixer is having a relationship with like the white house, like, uh, somebody connected with the white house. They're having the, I remember I can picture the guy in my yeah. head right now. Yeah. yeah. So they that. were having a, like an affair and stuff like that. And he was like getting information, being close to her. Um, and then Jack Ryan with, I think William Defoe, and like a team of like army rangers there's that montage where they're picking everything and then the one they're like trying to find the guy in the bushes right. and uh he's shooting and hitting things around him and then finally they can't find him and he's like all right show yourself you got the job and he stands up and he's like three feet in front of him uh, that's right yeah i remember that so that, that kind of thing yeah. and you know we got to get the team out kind of stuff and it's probably the yeah. better of the movies yeah those are both good some of all fears was a Jack Ryan. That was a Ben yeah. Affleck. I thought I thought it was good, man. I mean, it was entertaining. It, it, it goes else. it goes like this, probably. Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Clear and Present Danger. Patriot Games. I don't like the one with Chris Pine at all. Which one was that? That. Do you remember the name? I oh, some of all fears. That's with. Uh, ben Ben Affleck, and then there's one with Chris Pine where he plays yeah, Jack Ryan, really but that's like a prequel, like where right, he right. first started with them. I don't know. I, I like I like the Jack Ryan series, yeah. man. I'm 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 a fan. But this one was movie. good. He's fighting. It's not Russia. It's Russia adjacent. It's like a cabal of Russian, Czech, and otherwise people that are trying to execute this war strategy that Russia came up with back in the 60s and 70s in the heart of the Cold War, which basically start little assassinations okay. and then a one big event to cause a world war, essentially. Okay. Um, and it all happens in that area. Like World War One started there um, with the assassination. World War Two with the invasion of the Sudetenland. It all happens in that little Czech Republic, right. like Yugoslavian space all austria it's like it's okay. all like right there nice. all the war starting there yeah wow it was right. good though yeah no i have it on my list of stuff to watch for sure so what's uh what's next for you uh tau of Wu. i told you about this yeah. it's a book written by rizza got it i'm gonna start on it myself. It's, it's really good i mean there's some parts where he goes in like there are 14 numbers and there are 14 letters in this. And like, it just like he goes kind of off the rails a couple of times with some of those like word, or like uh number. I don't even want you to call like, it uh, numerology. numerology yeah. yeah. Um, but most of it is just him reflecting on some of the stuff that he did in life. And then he talks about his different, uh, faiths is the wrong word. Um, knowledge I, I don't know his knowledge base okay. where he he pulls from like taoism and buddhism and islam and christianity mm. and kind of pulls these different values from these things a lot of them are similar and like at their core in the text like muhammad 
has a different experience than let's say Noah or I think Muhammad is a a relative of Noah because okay. Abraham is an element and okay anyways but they have different ways that they tell the story um, but it's instead of like Jesus it's Muhammad or whatever right. it's very okay. similar in the way that they do and it's just I thought it was really interesting to kind of look at his life and the way that he kind of navigated things and creating alter egos. Like why did you name yourself dot Bobby digital? Why do they have all these different names And it? There's, there's value to it. And like what, you know, these old, you know, Kung Fu movies meant to him. And right. no, I mean, did you, uh, have you watched the Wu Tang show on Hulu? Nope. Not yet. I watched the first season. It was really good. I haven't watched, I haven't sat down for the second season yet, but will do eventually yeah i'm gonna read that book as well so yeah it's a really good book all right and what's your uh fourth one fourth one's black adam watch that i just said f it i'm doing it and i watched it i said it can't be that bad well it was pretty bad was it yeah there it's an incoherent storyline um it's it's some of the it's a dc yeah yeah And, like, I'm not big on comic book movies anyway, but I'm definitely out on the DC movies except for, like, So these Shazam wizards or whatever they are are, like, creating superheroes all the time indiscriminately, thinking they have a champion. Because Black Adam was a Shazam uh, champion, just like the the kid in Shazam was is the same champion. So, like... It was a bit confusing. Like, I don't know, have a lot of depth into the characters of Black Adam or anything. I guess it was recently created, like in the 90s. Um, So it's not like deep canon. Um, But apparently The Rock really wanted to make this movie. One of the things that is really like a cornerstone of a Rock movie is the his physical size. Right. as it relates to other people around him. And I think one of the big mistakes that they made is that he just floats around like Superman. And I thought it was a huge mistake. So he's up on this near this altar, like staring at this gigantic statue of what we find out is his son. He's brooding basically, but he's floating and brooding. And I'm like, why don't you just have him land? And then he can just be the big, fucking rock dude brooding i thought there was some like they just leaned into this cgi and and all this other stuff and i'm like you didn't have to go this hard on that stuff the action was okay um i wasn't compelled by any of the the quote-unquote good guys and they did a lot of exposition towards the end of the movie to like give you a backstory of why black adam's so pissed and why he's destroying everybody indiscriminately. And I don't know. I didn't I didn't really uh, connect with that story at all. I yeah. would have liked a little bit more in the beginning. And uh, there was a big, quote-unquote, uh, uh, reveal um, as to kind of how that backstory laid out. And I won't go into the details, but it just, I don't know, wasn't compelling for me. Yeah, definitely not on my list of stuff to watch. Um, I, but, you know, yeah. we were... We were um, Angie was working super late, you know, for a project she needed to kick out. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay up too. I'll just sit at the table. I had the computer and I'm just, I'll just watch Black Adam. And just, it was, I guess it was two hours ish. Um, 
I don't know. If you got like absolutely nothing to do and you it just do not want to think at all, it's worth a watch. Yeah, in that situation. and and like seeing things blow up. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'm up then uh, with my one uh, diversity topic for this week. I watched a documentary called This Place Rules on HBO Max. About I think I texted 30 you, minutes in, yeah. Yeah, I texted you multiple times, like, you have to watch this. It's completely nuts. It's by Andrew Callahan, who is actually from the Seattle area, um, grew up here, went to a small school in Louisiana, and started doing a document, like, kind of man-on-the-street documentary thing called quarter confessionals where he would go to the french quarter mm. and people would just it's kind of like taxi cab confessionals that used to be on hbo back in the day yeah you did people quick would, intro into that yeah yeah well. people just say that we'll tell these people crazy stuff that they've done and he would just he's kind of like uh he doesn't really even interview people he just kind of puts a mic in their face like and maybe asks them a question and then they'll say something he'll be like why and then they'll just like keep going down the rabbit hole um and then he eventually, he kind of went from that to getting a, uh, he had a YouTube channel called All Gas, No Breaks, where um, like a production company had bought him a, an RV to kind of tour around the country and go to these different like festivals and uh, concerts and uh, political rallies and things like that. And like, just kind of get a man on the street beat on those. And the production company kind of took his company from him. So he started another company called Channel 5 News. Uh, which is just another YouTube channel that's very funny, like been in a lot of Trump rallies, been in a lot of, you know, Stop the Steal rallies, um, a lot of the George Floyd protests, things like that. So that's what you're getting at, though, right? It's just like it's a collection of all of this. And so, yeah. And so the, and then so this this documentary, This Place Rules, um, it's really kind of touching on all the factors leading up to January, January 6th riots. Uh, including the COVID lockdowns and the protests around those, the George Floyd protests, the 2020 election and the aftermath of that, uh, the million mega march rallies in So that's where I'm at, where they just kind of started that. The one thing I noticed, if I can interrupt for a second, is that he's not a proponent of either side, really. It's really highlighting the ridiculousness of... Of either side side of whatever topic we're talking about, right? Like, he will find somebody as ridiculous on one side as the other. Right. And, yeah, he goes from talking to, like, one guy about that the Clintons eat babies and and they rape and kill and and drink the blood of babies. He has Alex Jones on there. He has the guy from... We've been breeding cows and people for years. Oh, God. And uh, But then he talks to a woman who seems like a totally well-put-together, like, middle-aged woman who's like... Uh, and is talking very calmly, and she's like, "Yeah, Trump uh, is uh, degenerate. He has a fourth grade um, vocabulary. He is going to prison next year, and I'm hoping that he gets raped." And you're just like, "What the fuck?" She actually says like way more weird yeah, stuff like than crazy that too. Sh- yeah. why, why she's in that calm voice? Right. It, it was so, and that's like almost more disturbing than Alex Jones screaming and being a crazy person. Cause yeah, because you roll your eyes at that, but you're almost right. like, oh, what does this nice like, sweet lady yeah. have to say? And, and I think like you know, he really talks. He kind of goes into, and I saw him on a CNN interview, like kind of leading up to this documentary coming out, and. 
Right. They were trying to do like some gotcha. Like they just wanted Don to know Lemon. about the yeah. yeah, Don Lemon just wanted to know about the uh about uh Enrique Taro, I think is his name, the head of the Proud Boys. And the he had just been in the news for something and they're like, Well what, well, what was his cause he interacted with him quite a bit as well leading up to these January sixth protests. He's like, Well what what was his mindset going into this? And he, you know, Andrew Callahan's like, Well the movie's not about him. It's about like the media echo chamber uh, feeding into this. Cause it's like, if you're on one side, then the straw man is the proud or the proud boys. If you're on the other side, the straw man is Antifa. If you're, you know, and so it's, and they fed like both sides. doesn't matter if it's OAN or Fox news or CNN, MSNBC, they're feeding, they're feeding their, the people that are watching them, this same line of, uh, of just craziness like i mean they're just they're gaslighting people like constantly so that's and, the that's the real plot of the documentary in a, in a large way you just right. nailed it right there it's it's the fact that both sides have their straw man both sides can be crazy both sides i don't know about right wrong or indifferent not right. talking about that neither was he but just like the narrative depending on who you talk to i mean it could be it could go either way yeah, you talk to people. He talks to people on both sides. They're like, if you believe this election wasn't stolen from Trump, you're crazy. And the other side, if you believe that this tr- election could have been stolen, you're crazy. It's just, you know, you don't know who to believe. And then, like, and he kind of touches on, like, the further you go, like, into the depths of, like, social media and the the dark side of the web like the further and quicker down these rabbit holes you can fall like he interviews a little kid that's just like spouting off every like crazy clinton uh covid bullshit conspiracy theory that you could imagine and obviously like he's getting this from his parents who have like pulled him out of school because they don't want him wearing a mask uh it's just it's wild i implore anyone listening to this to watch the movie uh it's it's worth the watch it's only like an hour and 20 minutes long it's so well done the ending is insane you're gonna well i will say this if you're a maga redneck don't watch it if you're a liberal elite you should probably stay away from it (laughs) yeah like you're you're not gonna like it if you don't have a sense of humor or understand a little bit of irony um then probably you know Watch nine, 90 Day Fiance or something. <laughs> Good call. Good call. All right, Joe. So, all right. Well, that's it. Um, looking forward, I think, to getting back to watching football this weekend. And we'll see. But um, Saturday, I'm going to miss. We're getting a new dog this weekend. Demar Hamlin. God oh, bless shit. You, that was a horrible. Let's, uh, that's a horrible transition. Oh, sorry, my man. bad. <laughs> no, it's, I was going to say, Demar Hamlin, we're, we're rooting for you, my man. Like, please get better and. Uh, you know, God willing, you'll be able to, to walk out of that hospital sooner than later. Here, here. All right, Jeremy. Picking games this season has taught me many lessons. Here's one. Confusion is a gift from God. Those times when you feel most desperate for a solution, sit, wait. The information will become clear. The confusion is there to guide you. Seek detachment and become the producer of your life.